glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Acts 8.26 It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And and as they went on their way, they came unto certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in church tonight. And thank you for all that you are doing, for all that you have done in order to make uh, this possible. You died for the church, and we thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, for seeking. You came to seek and to save that which is lost. I thank you for seeking after me and for saving me. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. I pray, would you please bless the service tonight. Please speak to our hearts. Please give me grace to be able to preach at this time. And I pray you'd work in our hearts. Help us, Lord, I pray, and ask you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And be seated. I'm not going to tell you anything tonight that you don't already know. Uh, this is not going to be one of those messages that's overly deep and profound, but I believe it's something that we can use. The question would be this. How many of you want to see more people get saved? Good. Three, four, five. Okay, a few of you. Good. That's great. I believe we want to see people get saved. Um, I, I know that the church exists for many different reasons, and uh, we as children of God have functions. We have different purposes. We glorify the Lord, magnify Christ. Uh, you know, many, many different things you could say. But one of, the, one of the important things that we're here to do is to lead people to Christ. That's why we're here. And uh, I, I would ask you this. Do you know what is necessary for a person to be saved? And tonight we're going to look at the ingredients for salvation. The first one we see here, if you go to the very last, verse 37, we see faith. Faith is necessary. It says, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Aren't you glad? I'm glad that, it's, it, it, that it is that simple. Amen. I remember when I, when I got saved, uh, I, I remember very clearly I love to tell the, the, the testimony of my salvation. I told it just the other night to, to a pastor, and I said it was, it was neat. I had two people that were witnessing to me at the exact same time. I had a co-worker, okay, and then I had a, another young lady that was a mutual friend of family, and they were both witnessing to me at the same time. And they didn't know each other. So as this man was witnessing to me at work, I was able, and this is something we need to take note of, I was able to easily dismiss the message of the gospel in my mind because he was a loose cannon. He had problems in his life. And because of his testimony, I was able to go, meh. But when I heard it coming from a second person, 
that didn't know that they didn't know each other, it really caused me to stop and listen. And I like to tell people that. Why? Because it, it, when you witness to somebody, you don't know if you're that second, third, or fourth person that's testifying of the truth of the gospel. And I like to tell them too that that young lady, I, I thought she was nice, but I also thought, hey, you know, uh, she all she ever talked about was the Lord. And I thought that's just it bothered me a little bit because I was lost. But as soon as I got saved, it changed my mind, and I thought that's great. So we got married and had six kids. How about that? Amazing how that works. I'm thankful. I remember just before I got saved, she had invited me to come over to her parents' house for a meal after uh, church one day. And I sat there on the front porch, and there were a number of people they had invited over, and I listened. And there was one of the people that were there. They were explaining it. says, isn't it amazing? People think the gospel is so simple, and it is. It is. It's simple. It's so basic. And because of that, I think sometimes people miss it. I'm glad it's not complicated. I'm glad it is simple enough that even a child can understand that I'm a sinner. And because of that, I'm condemned. I'm unclean. I'm on my way to hell, and I need a Savior. And it's amazing. I've thought of this many times. If you really want an accurate picture of humanity, just look at the cross. The best that mankind has to offer, look at the cross. What they do? They crucified him. They, They had the perfect, sinless son of God, and they said, kill him. That is the best that mankind has to offer, by the way. People love to say, I'm a good person. I said, no, you're not. (laughs) Because there is none good. No, not one. It's the truth. I love to use this illustration. I'm sure you've heard it before. I remember using it. uh, I used it several weeks ago while I was preaching in Leon. And I said to him, I said, "Ah, I've got to try to think of it in English now, right? Uh, If you've got a helmet and you've got a TV mounted to that helmet and that TV portrayed everything that you thought, would that make you uncomfortable? And I loved it. That, that particular church service, when I was telling this illustration, I had one man in the back going. <laughs> I thought, well, you're honest, but you're also dirty inside. I can tell you that. Yeah, anybody would be very nervous about wearing a helmet where it portrayed every thought that went through their mind so that everyone in the room could see what we were thinking. Remember years ago, I used to think, boy, wouldn't it be amazing if you could read people's minds? And now I have enough sense to go, no. <laughs> I do not want that. Why? Because we're sinners and we need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. I remember years ago, Brother Ward, he and I were traveling down to Pinehurst. He was filling in. Uh, it was the, the, the pastor was there before at that time. Uh, but Brother Ward was filling in for him. And he and I were sitting at the, uh, the there's an IHOP or a Denny's. And in, just in passing, he just said, he said, the thief on the cross had the right theology. And he said, because he believed he was going to die. He believed he was a sinner. He believed he was going to die. He believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, the Messiah, and he believed in an afterlife. That's what it took for him to cry out to him and ask him for salvation. You see, salvation is not difficult. It's simple. People do not get saved today not because uh, they can't understand it. No, no, understand it quite well. It's because there's an unwillingness to receive it. I told you about the cross. The best that mankind has to offer. Look at the cross. That's it. But you know what else you can learn about? You can learn about God. If you look at the cross, you can learn a lot about God. You have people that day that said, kill him. We want him dead. And you have God that says, I'm willing to die in your place. You look at how much God loves us and how much he cares for us and how much he gave. I love this. You, giving is such a godly characteristic. Did you know that? To give. Now, was it Amy Carmichael that said you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving? Giving is such a godly characteristic. Trust me, Lord's 
dealt with me about this time or time, a couple of times while we've been in Mexico. The idea of <laughs> one time I felt like the Lord said to me, don't get cheap on me. Don't be a cheapskate. You be a giver. Okay, yes, sir. And there are other times where he said, don't you forget. And I, I purposed in my heart, I want to be a giver. But you know what? Here's what happens when you think of the cross. Think about this. You have God gave. Okay, we got that. For God so loved the world that he gave. But hold on. Let's think about this for just a second. God gave the very best that he had. You tell me, what is better than Christ? So he gave the very best that he had, and he gave it to some people that didn't deserve it. And he gave it to some people who could never, ever, ever pay him back. I'll be honest, there's times where I have the opportunity to be giving and to give the best that I have and to be giving in such a way to people that I could never pay me back. Has anybody else ever struggled with the idea if I give if I give like this, if I give to this degree or if I give to this magnitude, then I won't have in order to give in the future. But that's not true because the Bible says give and it shall be given unto you. We ought to be giving people. We ought to be givers. I think if anything, it should be characteristic of us as God's children to be giving people. It should bring us great joy to give. Uh, with this time of the year and this season, uh, it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I get excited because my children at times, they get so excited about what they're going to give to their siblings for their Christmas presents. And so I say that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so understand faith, faith in God. Repentance and faith in Christ is all that is necessary for a person's salvation, trusting in what he has already done on the cross. I say this, all religions in the world fit into one of two boxes. Doing or done. That's it. And uh, there's a lot of religions out there saying you've got to do, 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 do. But in reality, our confidence, our trust, our faith must be firmly placed in what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross, what he has already done. When he hung on the cross, he said to talisti, which means it is finished, the single work that is necessary for our salvation. And so this is ultimately, we, we, this is what we hope to bring people to. Yes, faith in Christ. We're going to bring them to faith in Christ. However, if you notice, this is like near the end of our account. This is not the beginning. In this passage of Scripture, this is the end of it, not the beginning. Uh, what came just before the eunuch put his faith in Christ? Well, right before this came preaching. If you look at verse 35, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. In Mark 16:15, he says, um, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I remember years ago, I was faced, many years ago actually, probably a good 15 plus years ago, I was faced with a decision. Uh, there were some that did not like the idea of going out. They didn't want to like the idea of going door to door or being, uh, just confronting people with the gospel. Can I give you a track? Can I, you know, any of that. And they didn't like that idea. And I was very young in my faith at that time. I'd only been saved for maybe, maybe two years at the most. But I remember being faced with a decision. Am I going to, how, how, what am I going to do? And some people said you should go out and give the gospel to people, give them tracts, witness to them. And other people in my life that said, don't do that. And I remember one day it was very simple in my mind. Christ said to do it. Christ said go. Christ said preach. And that point of being very, it was very simple, very plain right before me. It's a command from Christ. Now, I understand that there are groups of people that don't do it the right way. But I also heard a famous preacher one time, and I love what he said. He said, don't let the way they do it wrong keep you from doing it at all. So just do it. Do it the right way. Amen. And that's what we should do. 
And so preaching is the act of confronting someone with the truth. And we oftentimes don't want to do this because it makes us uncomfortable. However, without this, we will not see people get saved. In order to do this, we must love the Lord more than we love ourselves. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to be very clear. We did not go to Mexico because there's a need. There's a need everywhere. And I don't think I'll get myself in trouble here. I believe we're all on the same page. But there is a... There, you, you go out on deputation and you get a taste of all kinds of different ideas or philosophies about some things. And you start going, ooh. And there is a push among some, some independent Baptists where it's like, you don't need a call, just just go. You've got a command, just go. Well, I, that's for another sermon for a different time, okay? But I will say this. Uh, no, God has a way of leading a specific person to a specific place at a specific time. He calls people. That's biblical. Uh, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas, and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. It is a biblical thing to be called to a specific place. I say that because of this. Um, there's a need in Iceland or Africa or China. There's a need everywhere. So you can't just go because there's a need. I'm going to say this. We did not go to Mexico because we love the people. Now, we do love the people down there. Very wonderful people. But we did not go down there because we love the people. That's important to know that. Why? Because one day I'm sure I'll wake up and not love the people. After driving down there for a little bit, I do not love all of the people down there. Ask my kids. I'm like, what are you doing? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, to an American it doesn't make sense. But hey, they have a thing down there where if you're driving, you can park anywhere as long as you have your flashers on. And so that's how that works. So in the middle of a road, flashers are on. Uh-uh, this is a parking spot now. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. calm down, calm down. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. So I don't love, I don't always love everybody. You can't go because you love the people. Here's, here's the bottom line. You go because you love God. You see, Jesus Christ left glory and came to earth, the greatest missionary ever. He left heaven. He came to earth. And, and here's why. He said, I do always those things which please him. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Christ existed for one purpose, to obey the Father. When he was in the garden, he said, If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It's very simple. We all ought to do the exact same thing. We say, I'll do anything he asks me to do, and it will be for one simple reason, because I love him. I, I text pastor a while back. The truth had just kind of crept in my heart yet again about the idea in the Old Testament how you have uh, the seventh year came a sabbatical year. So if you had an indentured servant, at the end of that six years, they had the opportunity to go free. Now, there was a provision written into the law so that they didn't have to do that. But it just clicked with me that the first decision as a free, the first, per, first decision they were allowed to make was whether or not they would remain a slave. This is your first choice. What would you like to do? And you get to decide whether you would remain a slave or go free. This is the only motivation that they would have for remaining a slave is if they love their master. That's it. And as a result, what it would say, it says in the Word of God, is that they would take them over to the side of the door, to the trim on the side of the door, and they would take their lobe from their ear and they would take an awl, a very sharp metal instrument used for piercing leather, and they would drive it through their earlobe and pin them to the door and leave them there for the day till the sun went down and they would pull it out. And after that, People would see, oh, that man right there, he belongs to that master. I got news for you. The only reason you and I would ever choose to do something of that sort is if we loved our master. 
And I'll be honest with you, it is my great privilege. He's my king. He is my king. It is my great privilege and my great honor. And the pastor was preaching this morning about the mentality of the average person in the United States of America. I'm sorry, the average mentality, the mentality of the average person in the United States of America is, don't you tell me what to do. Ain't nobody tell me what to do. What a wonderful thing it is when a person recognizes Jesus Christ as King of kings, Lord of lords, and we come to him and we say, Lord, you can tell me whatever you want. It is my great privilege to live for you and to serve you. I say this, um, the greater the price, the more precious the price. Has it ever cost you anything to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Anybody in here ever had to lose something in order to retain fellowship with Jesus Christ? Don't despise that. The greater the price that you and I pay, the more precious he becomes. Does that make sense? Salvation's free. You and I can receive it. But to continue to walk with him in fellowship will cost you and I something. He was talking this morning about suffering. How many people shy away from following Christ because it's going to cause us to have to suffer? Yes, it will. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And the only way you and I would ever be willing to go through any level of suffering is if we love him. We say, Lord, you're, you're, you're worth it. I would rather have Jesus than anything. I love it when it was talking about Moses. Was it Job? Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Moses had the opportunity to go into the promised land without him. And he said, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. What devotion. That we ought to be the same exact way. Our entire hearts ought to throb with adoration and love for Christ. Say, Lord, you can tell me to do anything and I'll do it. But primarily because I love you. We oftentimes don't want to give other people the gospel because they'll think that we're weird. It's true. I don't want to give that person the gospel because they might think I'm weird. We will, deny, we will disobey his command because we care more about what people think of us than what he thinks of us. Here in this instance, we see that this person comes to faith in Christ. Yes. But prior to that came, to pre- there was preaching involved. He preached Christ. So in order to see people get saved, we must preach Christ. However, what came before that? Look at verse 28. It says this. He was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. You see, prior to his salvation, the word of God was involved. In James 1.21, it says, Wherefore, lay apart uh, filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that from a child that was known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Psalms 19.7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. John 5.39, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. 1 John 5.11 and 12, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It says, and this is the record. What is the record? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the way of salvation. In Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, before Philip showed up, this man had been reading the word of God. 
Now, I'm, this is what I'm thinking. I can't, it's not in there, but I, this is what I'm thinking. When he went into Jerusalem, they didn't have John and Romans booklets. They had Isaiah's booklets. That's what they must have had because there he is reading the book of Isaiah's. And I'm sure that uh, some, you know, it's probably, I'm, I'm just guessing that it was printed by Milford in Ohio as well, right? It's just a guess. But somebody, what happened was somebody got a copy of the Word of God into his hand. Some, somehow this man got a copy of the Word of God and he had it in his hand and he's sitting in his chariot somewhere on the side of the road and he's sitting there going through it and he's reading it. It's very, it's abundantly clear before a person's going to get saved, they need to know how to be saved. The Bible, the Word of God is powerful. We need to do our part to make sure that we're getting the Scriptures into people's hands. The Word of God. Uh, the idea of us, I've had all kinds of people talk to me over the years. I remember this one time, we were in Brazil. I was with Brother Johnson. And we were all standing around, and one of the guys, we're handing out the Word of God to people in Brazil. That's what we're doing. And there's tons of people all over, and we're handing out the Scriptures to people. And I remember this guy comes over. He's from the United States, and he just starts talking to us. Very nice man, very friendly, very kind. And he's handing out little flyers. And the little flyers are about how they can go online, and they can, they can go to a video, and it's called, I think it was called the Jesus Film. And what it was was a video about Jesus, and it was portraying him in some form or fashion, but it was some dramatic production videoed. And we're explaining this to Brother Johnson. He said, Brother Johnson was like, who is this guy? What's he doing? I said, well, he's handing out this stuff and that. And I just said to Brother Johnson, after he explained it was a video, I said, read the book. It's better. <laughs> the truth is, folks don't need to go watch the Jesus film. They need to read the Word of God. Amen. They need to read the Bible. That's what they need to do. And we need to do everything we can in our power and ability to get them the Scriptures, get them the Word of God so that they can be reading it. That's what people need. And so we see that they that, that before this person gets saved, we saw that he he you know that he was uh, there was preaching, but there was also the word of God before that. But I want to focus lastly on this: there was a person, there was a person, and this person was obedient to God. If you look at verse twenty-six, it says, "And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go down, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is desert." Verse twenty-seven, the very first part, it says this: "And he arose and went." I want to say this, in the Old Testament, you'll find this. There are men in the Old Testament that God uses, and He uses them mightily. Elijah, all, all kinds of different problems. And just go read the Old Testament. What you're going to find very often is this. Many times it will say, whether it was you know, the Word of the Lord came unto them, or, or however it was, but it will say, God said, go here. And the next part it will say, they arose and went. And God said, do this, and they arose and went. And God said, do this, and they arose and went. This isn't profound. But how often do we miss out on seeing people get saved because we're not doing what he tells us to do? Look at verse 29 and 30. It says, verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Verse 30, the first part says, And Philip ran thither to him. Do you have the same... Are you, are you and I, I'm preaching to me as much as anyone else, this message for all of us. Um, are we like him? That when the Spirit of God says in your heart, that's where he's at, he speaks to your heart, yes? And he says, go talk to that person. Do you run? When the Spirit of God says, go talk to that person or call that person or text that person or go visit that person, do we obey?
you realize this is part of one of the this is one of the ingredients for a person coming to Christ. Amen. The person was obedient to God. Not only that, but this person was needed. Look at verse thirty. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the the prophet Isaiah and said, "Understandest what thou readest?" I love this. And he said, "How can I accept some?" except some man should guide me. You, you understand as well as I do when the Spirit of God had the Word of God penned down that every word was chosen on purpose. And when it says right here, how can I except some man should guide me? And that flies in the face of many, 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 many people today. I don't need some guy telling me what to do. Actually, you do. And I do. We all do. God uses people to help people, whether it's a lost person, but even in the church, God gave some apostles and, and, uh, and prophets and teachers and, and pastors. And it, You understand what I'm saying? Is that God gives people to help people. You need a pastor. I need a pastor. You need help. I need help. We all need help. And, and, the, and the attitude of the average person today is, I don't need some person telling me what to do. But that's not true. We need people to tell us what to do. We need someone that can help us. Hallelujah for this man here that has enough sense to know that. Do you understand what you're reading in the Bible? How can I? Except I have some man to guide me. Some person to guide me. This this person was needed. God could have used angels. I love it. Brother Johnson said this once when we were in Honduras. He said, God used angels to proclaim his birth, but he chooses to use us to proclaim his death, burial, and resurrection. What a great privilege that we get to play the part. Not only was this person obedient to God, this person was needed, but I love this. This person was not afraid to open his mouth. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth. Now I say this, sometimes we do open our mouth, but it's not for the right reasons, yes? Sometimes we open mouth and insert foot, yes? we got a foot-shaped mouth sometimes, but no, this is talking about how he opened his mouth for the right reasons. It says, And Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the same scripture, began at the same scripture and preached unto him, Jesus. And praise the Lord for a person who was not afraid to open their mouth. Now, I said before, I'm preaching to me just as much as anyone else. We oftentimes want to be quiet when we should not. And we, we, we are oftentimes not quiet when we should be. Isn't that amazing how that works? And the only answer to that is to be obedient and filled with the Holy Spirit of God and He will give us the opportunities and give us the unction and the boldness. We can be bold as lions and be able to speak the truth. That's what we have to do. We must be obedient to God. We must realize that we are necessary for a person's salvation. Every person that gets saved, somebody told them about Christ. How many of you in here, you came to knowledge in Christ without the Word of God and without a person telling you? Didn't think so you find that this is a simple and very basic recipe for someone's salvation. Now, we must open our mouths and preach Christ. Now, I want you to notice this, though. I said that there was a person technically in this passage. There's how many? There's three. There's the sinner. That would be this eunuch. And then there's the saint, Philip. But then there's also the Spirit of God. I heard a man a long time ago said, the Lord doesn't send us so winning. He takes us so winning. The Spirit of God is always there. And is always ready. Now, I heard another preacher said this one time. The Spirit of God is always working in people's lives. How do you know which people in the community you live in 
How many, how do you know which ones the Spirit of God is working in their heart at that very moment? And he said, there's a blue light that flashes on their forehead. But no, he said, you don't know. That's why you have to give the gospel to every creature. I would notice, why don't we see more people get saved? Is it because the Holy Spirit is not willing to work in people's lives? No. Is it because he's not working? No, I believe he's working. I believe he wants to work. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is it because the sinner is not willing to read the word of God? Sometimes. True. Sometimes. Is it because the sinner is not willing to believe on Christ? Yes, of course, sometimes. Sometimes that's true. Is it because the saint is not willing to obey God? Come on, are you with me? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes that's true. Is it because the saint is not willing to obey the word of God? Uh-huh. We could go probably for a couple of hours and talk about all the reasons why we don't want to give people the gospel. Even me. There are times it's outside my comfort zone. In Spanish, I said the other night, I was preaching in Monterey. I took 20, it took 20 years off my life. I, I told my kids, I said, do I ever tell you kids to, to not allow your comfort zone to dictate what, where you will and will not obey God? Yeah, I've preached it. And guess what? I had the opportunity to put it in practice because uh, I'd been in touch with Pastor Reyes. My chief concern was the hotel that we stayed in for in 2019 was no longer available. And so I was really ex- hoping we could stay in the same hotel because I knew it was safe. Well, you know as well as I do, not everywhere is safe. So I contacted him and said, is this hotel safe? And he came back and he said, yes, it is. That's safe. It's okay. When are you coming through? And in the end, he ended up asking me, he said, would you, like to, would you be willing to preach while you're here? No, I don't understand you. I only speak English now. <laughs> no, I said, yes, sir. I'd be, yes, sir. I'd be glad to do that. He said, would you like to preach in the, in the morning, in the evening, both? Oh, you're killing me here. <laughs> I said, in the evening. I can't do both. Not right now. And so he said, okay, we'll have you preach in the evening. Oh, stressful. This church is a good church. It's established. It's a good church. They know how stuff's supposed to be done. <laughs> so when I get up there at my dog and pony show, they're going to go, what is this guy doing? No. So I did, and I had a message, and it was prepared, and I believe the Lord took my five barley loaves and my two small fishes, and he was able to be a blessing to those people. But I got news for you. You talk about outside your comfort zone, I can tell you about that. Move to another country where you don't speak the language super well, where they do everything different. That's not an exaggeration. I know what it's like. I've said to people before, you say, well, it's outside my comfort zone to give the gospel to other people. Think about their comfort for all of eternity while they're burning in hell. How would you feel if you knew your next door neighbor could have told you how to be saved, but he didn't and let you go to hell for all of eternity because it was just too uncomfortable? You know what that is? That's self-worship. I worship me more than anything else. Ain't no way I'm going to step outside my comfort zone. The Holy Spirit is always working. Now, here's the truth of the matter. You and I can't control how lost people respond to truth. We have no control over that. So for us to say, well, 
I understand that. You go give someone the gospel. You can't control whether they'll read the track or whether they'll reject it or whether they'll accept it. We don't have any control over that. But I will say this. You and I decide whether or not we'll be obedient to the Lord. And how sad it would be that others don't get saved because we're the ones that are not being obedient. Go with me one last place. Romans chapter 10. Common passage of Scripture, but um, it will parallel very much what we're talking about here. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 is where we'll start. We said there's a number of ingredients for salvation. The first one we mentioned was faith. And if you look at verse 9 and 10, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There it is, faith. Putting your faith and trust in Christ. Believing the gospel. That's what we, that's what we must do. So faith, yes, but then what comes after it? Look at verse 11. We talked about the word of God. It says in verse 11, For the scriptures saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so you can see the word of God. But then we also see the preacher in verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be what? Interesting. So here you can see faith, you can see the Word of God, you can see the preacher, and then at the very end you can see there is a sending agency. What's that sending agency? It's the local New Testament church. Now this is the part that gets need. We're doing this right now. This is happening right now. Is that God is using this church to send a family to Mexico. And I love this. This is the part that's so encouraging to me. I didn't come up with the idea. He did. I wouldn't want to try to come up. Who came up with the idea when it comes to the parting of the Red Sea? God. Who came up with the idea of uh, tearing down the walls of Jericho? God. Who came up with the idea of having fire fall on Mount Carmel and consume that sacrifice? God. You see, when you get in on what God's doing, you get to see some really neat things happen. And here we are now, and you are helping to start a church in a part of the world where they don't have one, there is a man who contacted a pastor. This man has been saved now for four years. And he has done nothing but church hop for the last four years. And he said, they're all the same. And he said, they all have, they, they're Pentecostal. So they have women pastors. And he said that they went, and the last one they're at, he said him and his wife went, and they said, uh, we would like for our daughter to be able to serve the Lord in church somehow. How can she do that? And they said, well, she can be part of the dance team where they dance. Mm, kind of like Herodias and the dot in there and all that. Is that how they do that? And the answer is actually yes. It's wicked. It's ungodly. It's not of God. Amen. This man had enough sense to know that. He said, that's not of God. He's got a woman pastor. They want my daughter to dance at church. I said, what is going on here? He said, the music's not good. And that's why he reached out to somebody he knew that could help or hopefully help him. But I got news for you. Do you know what the neat part is? God already knew about this years ago. He already knew before this ever happened. Back in October of 2014, Alan Johnson came to preach missions conference here. He said, is there anyone in your community that speaks Spanish? We could go give them the gospel. There's like five in the whole town. One of them lived on my same street. And I went and listened as he witnessed to Felipe, my neighbor. And it was about a month later, the Lord began to work in my heart. January of 2015. Why don't you start learning Spanish so you can reach people with the gospel? 
And I said, cuz, I can hardly speak English. What am I going to do trying to learn Spanish? But the answer was, God started working my heart back then because he knew I needed about a six-year jump start on everyone else to learn the language. The beautiful thing was, though, within a short period of time, I was preaching down there. Preaching, teaching, teaching institute. Does that make sense? God knew ahead of time. God knew there was going to be a man down there that needed someone. How can I accept some man should guide me? He needed a preacher. He needed somebody that can help him. Now, the beautiful thing is this. What do those people in Valle de Santiago need? They need the Word of God. They need the Scriptures. And then they need a man that's going to go to them and give them the truth. So I hope, I cannot say right now, I don't know the end from the beginning, but this is what I'm hoping to see in the next year, is that we, we can have a, uh, when I go back, Lord willing, with Pastor Jorge, I'll be able to go over to there and start working to see if we can find a building that we can procure. Once we can rent that building, we can begin doing work to get it prepared to have church. Once that's done, then we can begin meeting in that building. Uh, but sometime in this next year, we'd love to see us have a campaign. What we will do is hopefully canvas the entire city with a portion of John and Romans, portion of Scripture, John and Romans, with a gospel track and an invitation to a special meeting. That special meeting would be on a Saturday night, a Sunday morning, and a Sunday evening. And then I would offer them, if you come to that meeting as a guest, you will be given a free Bible. That's the intent. And if we do that, and we hope to see people come, and in the future, we see a church planted and established where the truth of the Word of God can be preached in that city. There is no other church in that area preaching the Word of God. 150,000 people in that city that need Christ. Does that make sense? And the beautiful thing is this. I believe if we do things according to His plan, we got His recipe. We just follow His recipe. I look forward to coming back in years to come to visit you and say, hey, guess what? We've had this person come to Christ and this person come to Christ and this person come to Christ and this family come to Christ. But what we need, we need you to continue to pray for us because you know as well as I do that Satan will do everything he can to try to keep us from doing the will of God. Pray for us. If you'd like to come down and visit us and be a part of that, I'm sure that we could accommodate that. Amen? So I want to just conclude with this. You, you can answer this question better than I can. Where are you at? Where are you at when it comes to, are, are you willing, are you willing to give someone the Word of God? Are you willing to open your mouth? It's very good to give someone a track. That's good. It's very good to, if you've got to leave one somewhere. That's good. If that's what you're going to do, that's fine. I'm not going to criticize you. But eventually we need to be able to open our mouth. Open our mouth. And share the gospel with someone and preach unto them Jesus. Tell them their great need for Christ. Where are you at tonight? Is there, any, is there anything, let me ask this, is there anything in your life right now where if the Holy Spirit of God put his finger on, your, on that spot and said, I want you to do this, where you'd say, not that. Is there anything you're not willing to do for him? I think we all know the answer. We should be willing to do what? Anything. Anything you ask. Anything you want me to do, you just tell me. That is the proper place for every one of us to be. So I don't know how the Lord may be using this in your life, but I want to encourage you. I almost said it in Spanish. Siga adelante. Siga adelante. Continue forward in this next year for Christ. Live for the Lord. He's coming back soon, folks. We need to live for Him right now. 
Give it everything you got while you have a chance. Um, oftentimes I see this. I believe God will work in a person's heart and life, and there will come a point. We have that parable where it talks about there was a fig tree in the vineyard. Okay, who owned the vineyard? There's a picture of God. Who is the, the caretaker of that vineyard? Is a picture of Christ. And they come to a fig tree, and there's no fruit on that fig tree. And the owner of the vineyard, being a picture of God the Father, says, cut it down. Why come earth at ground? And the caretaker says, give me one year, and I'll dig about, and I'll dung it. And if it doesn't produce fruit after that, we'll cut it down. My point is this. I believe God wants to work in our lives. If we're not willing to let him have his way, I believe eventually, I don't believe he kills everybody and takes them home to heaven, but I do believe this. Like Paul said, being a castaway, he'll set you or I on the shelf. He'll put us on the bench, and we can sit there and watch everyone else play ball. I got news for you. I'd rather die then sit around and watch everyone else play ball while i, while I got to sit on the bench. It's best for us just to let him have his way in our life. Amen? Mm-hmm.